0: Well wow, met, fellow adventurers. Once again, we are playing as Sir Crokington, and we are doing Proving Grounds Five, the Silver Quest. We've been doing it for a while now, and we've nearly got to Talonus. Well, actually, the small village outside Talonus called Grimswick. In pursuit. And while we're searching for the Shadow Mage with, who might have any idea how exactly we were to oppose the Shadow Dragon Miraxa, who apparently has been secretly controlling the world for the last few hundred years, and just genuinely being malicious. Anyway, the next scenario is the Woe to Talon, a shaking pursuit. And currently, we are teamed up with the wagon driver, Colmere, who is apparently responding to being right in the middle of one of the most dangerous adventures yet very well. And I hope the Bards all remember that. Thankfully, and quite surprisingly, the remainder of your journey to Talonus passes without an incident. Near south, Colomere, has his horses reshod. First time in a long while, you are not plagued by the nagging fear you are being dogged at every step. Just every other step. From your south, the west of your trek takes you through an area of wooded hills, moving in and out of the many towns and villages that speckle the landscape to the south of Tysa's grand capital city. Early one morning, four days after setting out from Dura South, the fluttering banners that adorn the imposing battlements of Talonus's outer wall loom into view, appearing through a veil of mist that conceals much of the city. There now, says Tommy, his voice tinged with pride. Safe and sound we are at the doorstep of our fair king's homes. sir never doubted it. This would make quite a tale in your annuals of adventure, I wager. Yes, indeed it will, indeed it will. You stay with Colmere as he proceeds through the main gates and along the city's primary avenue, heading for some vague destination in the western sector of the capital. I don't mean to alarm you, he remarks as you pass beneath a broadstone arch, but I think we're being followed. Have a look back. They look back over your shoulder and immediately spot two bearded men on horseback, riding abreast only twenty yards behind the wagon. Each man is garbled in a grey tunic and wears a short sword. As you continue to scrutinise the men, they suddenly veer off in opposite directions and are soon lost in the teeming crowd. They got on to us at the gate, says Colony, but I wanted to be sure. Could just be regular wuffs, all my own wild imaginings. Don't need to make a fuss out of nothing. You are sure, Colomier, that his vigilance and suspicions are justified, and through you don't relate it to him. You are certain these two men were anything but regular wuffs. The streets you are following wa- slowly widens and suddenly splits into a wide quadrangle. The wagon rolls along the crowded square, and Colomere draws it to a stop outside a wet roof building and hops down. He tells you he must go in and tell his paymaster that he's arrived with his cargo to find out where he needs delivery to. I'll just be a moment with my business, he calls out as he disappears into the building. While you wait, he thoroughly scans the crowded square for any sign of the bearded men, but I find nothing to indicate they entered the quadrangle. As your eyes pass along the north side of the square, however, they lock onto a tall, grey stone building. In the centre window, the top of the structure, you spot two faces that seem to be staring staring directly at you. Your heart skips a beat when you suddenly realise they were the bearded faces of the men who only minutes ago were following the wagon. How oh, can they get all the way up there? Do so they have... Shadow magic and they just went sloop, sh- sloop, sh- slopped sh- up the stairs. Colomere steps back out of the red roof building, momentarily distracting you from your study. When you turn again to look at the men who intently studying you, they are no longer there. You glance at every window adorning the face of the grey stone building, but find no further sign of them. That doesn't mean they're not there, of course. "'You make no mention of it to Colmere. "'Not wishing to place Colmere in any further danger "'and preferring to trust your own feet to his driving skills "'in the event that a swift flight is called for, "'you offer your sincere thanks to your companion of the last few days "'and bid him farewell. "'I wish you the best of luck,' he says, "'as you make ready to depart. "'I rather think you won't need much luck, though. "'It's been my pleasure, Sir Crockington. And don't forget the name Colmere, if your adventures are day scribed. Oh, they are, they are. Just to mention, that's all I ask. You again thank him for turning, swiftly making your way out of the quadrangle, heading with great haste for the central part of the city. You move swiftly and haphazardly through the city, dodging into buildings and stealing through stables, abruptly changing course, and in more than one occasion doubling back, in all in an effort to shake off what you believe to be a doggy pursuit of your every step. Twice during your evasive flight, you can again catch sight of the two bearded men. They're always at a distance, and only for a fleeting moment. However, after darting about the city for the better part of two hours, you're either to have seen them either throw your pursuers off your track, or cause them to abandon it altogether. You now begin to focus on reaching the village of Grimswick. You inquire of a city guardsman regarding Grimswick, and he tells you the village is three miles east of the capital, to be found directly off the main road leading in that direction. Securing the knowledge, you are within an hour of reaching your objective. You step into Clovia and purchase a very small, plain, grey, hooded cloak. You emerge from the garment seller's shop, outfitted in the attire as you hope will further to conceal you from any unwanted students scrutiny now i look like a rock (laughs) yes i look like a rock now if you know i don't move garbled in your gray cloak this hood cutting covering your head you linger in and about the area of the city's main gate until late afternoon begins to give way to the first hint of the arrival of dusk then amidst the and confusion the arrival of a large caravan of merchant wagons, you slip out of the city and head east along the road leading from the capital. It's been several hours since you last observed any visible pursuit, and you're beginning to think you may have finally shaken any would-be pursuers, that or they. Got that or they're being a bit more stealthy than even I can detect.' You pray that the added cover of approaching dusk, dusk will hope conceal you as you make your way along the road, heading east from Talus into the wooded hills where lies the village of Grinswick. Two miles from the city you encounter the first soul you have seen on this lonely stretch. Lo- on this lonely stretch, an old man seated on a rock at the edge of the road leans heavily on a carved walking stick and greets you with a friendly wave. His breath seems wagged, and he politely and instinctively asks if he needs any assistance. He quickly assures you that he is that he is not if he is in need of any assistance. He quickly assures you he is not and asks you how far it is from to talus from here a couple of miles you say well, even this old set of bones can handle that much more he laughs. Upon rising unsteadily to his feet, throwing much of his weight upon the support of his trusted walking stick. I haven't been to the city in more years than I care to recall. Thank you kindly, good being. (laughs) You wish the the, the man luck and will remain to this trek, but he suddenly tells you something that garners your complete attention. Strange folk on the road that way, he says, motioning to the east, which is presumably where he's told from. I didn't care careful look at them. I don't suppose a respectable toad like yourself would, would either. A word of mourning is all I mean by it. You thank the old man and watch as he slowly departs to the west and, ev- and is eventually lost from sight around the bend in the road. Having no reason to doubt what the old man had said, and indeed every reason to believe it is true, you decide the most prudent course of action is to leave the road and head into the wooded hills Thus, making your way towards Grimswick, under what cover the sparse forest can provide. Hmm. But is that a good place when you're being chased by shadows? Because forests have a lot of shadows in them, unless it's already unless it's already after dusk. In which case, it's a good place because we're going to be away, far away from any light sources which would cast any shadows. Hmm. Curious. You climb into the wooded hills to the south of the road and begin the final leg of your journey to Grimswick. An overgrown footpath leads you through a hillside Aldridge orchard that appears to have long ago been abandoned. You reach the far side of the old orchard and are suddenly startled by a loud hiss and a what? whistle what? wind from behind. You turn your eyes north and skyward and behold a strange and terrifying sight. Circling in the dusky sky, no more than 50 feet above the tops of the trees, is a massive black dragon. Now and again, the fearsome creature seems to take on the appearance of deep shadow, and you suddenly realise you are staring at a shadow dragon. Oh no, it must be Meraxa, because is the only shadow dragon there is. Unless, of course... He's trained some of the shadow beasts to look like a shadow dragon, because apparently that's something you can do with shadow magic. Without warning, the dragon turns and swoops down upon you, its talons outstretched, and only the wash of wind and the beat of its leathery wings held its swift, stealthy approach. Alright, I have four options, but one I can't do yet. I can use archery, shadow magic, but I don't have that yet, Fortification, or I could just attempt to dodge the swooping dragon's attack. Well, as before, random.org to tell me what to do. I only have three options so, random number between one and three, generate, it's number two. I'm going to be using fortification. Failed. Well, Having failed at your attempted action, you must now attempt to dodge the dragon's swooping attack. You dive to the ground, praying you have acted swiftly enough to spare yourself a deadly encounter with the creature's cruel claws. Picking a number. Bonus of 133. I think this is one of the ones you're pretty much guaranteed to succeed with. 40 from agility, 19 from luck, and 74 from woodsmanship. Pick now! One hundred and eighty one. You hit the ground and flatten yourself against it, dodging its deadly outstretched talons by mere inches. The dragon's momentum carries it past you, but it swiftly climbs into the sky and then turns about as it prepares to again swoop down upon you. The shadowed dragon etch- stretches wide its cavernous mouth, and black flames pour out of it. A wide bolt of shadowy fire streaks through the air directly towards you. Got many options. Once again, if I had it, I could use shadow magic, as fortification, elementalism, gating, or just dodging. Random.org, tell me what to do. Generate number three again. So it's going to be gating. Succeeded. Sixty-four experience stood gating. A swirling black portal opens to your white right, and you leap into the vortex, emerging from, from a second gate, only seconds later, about ten feet from where you previously stood. I'll say, i would be more, if I was GM, i probably have gating more used for moving my attacks than moving myself. Because you, you're already mo- physically moving with gating. So, you're kind of out of the way already, even if you don't use the gating. The dark flame flame, harmlessly strikes the ground in the spot you occupied only moments ago. I was thinking, like, you open a portal in front of you, and then open a portal far away, and the flame just goes through the gate, and then out the other gate, and you're perfectly fine. Just something I would do. Maybe it doesn't work like that. The dark flame home- home- harmlessly strikes the ground in the spot you occupied only moments ago. The dragon hurdles past. The, s- the, t- the spiked tip of his thick, shadowy tail, passing over only a few feet above your head, you turn, prepared to face another attack. But you're surprised. The mighty beast suddenly breaks into thousands of shadowy slivers, the moat into the gloom now gathering in the dark in the early evening sky as quickly as it appears the shadow dragon is gone is that Moraxa himself maybe shaken by the encounter but more determined than ever to reach Grimswick and we unite with Helene and hopefully find nearer upon whom so much hope seems to rest you hurry off to the east moving swiftly through the wooded hills, staying out of sight of the road. Nearly an hour after having left Alanis, a small group of lights break through the darkness ahead, and you promptly make for them. Your eagerness is rewarded, for as you descend a steep, stony slope, Stope, a small village looms out of the shadows, you are certain you have at long last reached Grimswick's. A lone man standing on the road leading into the village confirms that it is indeed Grimswick, and he bids you welcome and tells you that the candle glow in is likely to still have. have hot stew we can stew up, serve up even at this late hour. The man answers in response to your inquiry that no one has entered the village along the road for several hours. This news comes as relief, but you remain wary, and willing to relax your guard based on the words of this stranger. And anyhow, these these the people we're fighting, they don't need words. You ask where? You might find the bitter stag. The man gives you a surprised-looking return. Well, it's in better days for sure. He laughs. I think you'll find five more to your liking at the inn. But the stag's where it's always been. Well, more or less. Last place on your left on on your way out of town. Straight along the way you're facing now. I still think you want me in. You thank him and hurry past into the verge of Grimswick. You find the bitter stack, or what remains a bit, in precisely the spot the man on guard told you it would be, dunfounded. You stand staring in disbelief at the charred and collapsed remains of the small alehouse. All indications are the fire that evidently consumed it was a recent one perhaps less than three days ago. Hmm. So it had been after I was told to go here. Stunned by the unexpected development, you turn and about to make your way over to the inn on the other side of the lane. Well, maybe they went there instead. I mean, presumably, if if the place you wanted to go wasn't available because of fire, you'd go to the nearest place. Or at least there you... Might find some people who could ask for help When the shadow ling make your way to the inn on the other side of the lane, when a shadow lingering on the remainder of the ruined tavern's wall suddenly slips into the ground at your feet. Out of the undulating pool of gloom on the door be- ground before you rises a shadowy likeness of a heavy wooden door. The shadow wi- door whipples as it be- as it hovers barely an inch off the ground, only your arm's length in front of you. You step back from the door and turn to your right, but it swiftly moves to again block your path. Again and again you turn and move, but each time the shadowy door appears in front of you, there appears to be no escaping it. Without warning, the door swings open, revealing a black void and slips swiftly beneath your feet. You drop through the open door and tumble into the void, plunging head over heels into the dark. And that ends this scenario... And the whole quote taloner series of scenarios for two hundred and fifty six experienced a general Alright next one the, uh, the Eye of the Storm Begin scenario You wake You wake with a start and spring forward into a sitting position. The small, windowless room you find yourself in is lit quite brightly by a lantern perched on the edge of a wooden table next to the lone door. Just beyond the door, you can hear at least two distinct voices engaged in what sounds like heated, ex- heated exchange. Hmm. I mean, if there's no windows, I guess that means there's no way for it to link up with any shadows from beyond the room which means you cannot spy on it with shadow magic. Cautiously, you wise to your feet and steal towards the door. You've taken only a few steps, however, when it suddenly flies open, and much to relief, Elaine strides into the room.
1: <sighs> Finally,
0: she looks relieved to see you up and about. It's not the better stag, but it's the best that could be done. "'given the present state of affairs,' she says, smiling. "'We've been waiting for you to wake up,' Sir Crokington. "'You're about to speak when two tall, hooded men enter the room behind Helene. "'One of them steps forward and casts off his hood. "'You nearly gasp in alarm upon beholding his bearded face. "'He's without a doubt one of the men who pursued you. "'You are us. The man knows your surprise,' bows quickly and introducing himself as Hackerar. I know who you are, Sir Crokington, says Hackerar, a man whom you recall from Helene's tale as being one of the valiant members of the League of Five. Yes, it was I who trailed you in Taltus with my partner here, for you were in considerable danger. Though we were in strict orders not to meet up with you, for such an obvious confederation would have jeopardised much Instead, we kept watch from afar and dealt more than one devastating but secretive blow to those who pursued you with wicked intent. Ah, oh, that's why, that's why I wasn't attacked by any master assailants for pretty much the for the entire scenario. Because they dealt with them first. You learn in detail that Hakura and the hooded man standing next to him. I spared you from ambush on no less than five occasions since you arrived in Talonus. It is imperative that you arrived in Grimswick without being followed, says the hooded man next to Hakre. And for the most part we succeeded. The shadow dragon you encountered just before the village was most unfortunate, and certainly not random. I do not believe it was actually Moraxa but it reveals the death and the perilous la- nature of the agents in his employed weight. There's a shadow dragon other, the Moraxa, or something that looks like a shadow dragon. The hooded figure steps forward and places his hand on his shoulder. Thought you might have recognised my voice, he says. Perhaps you're just a bit wary yet. The figure standing before you throws back his hood, and you find yourself staring at Windle, the grey-haired leader of the Silver Quest, A man you've come to know as both an ally and a friend, initiates a shoulder cross. Hacker saw fit to equip me with a beard, much like his own, says Windle. And I dare say I would hardly have recognised myself in it. Apologise for any alarm may have caused you, but he only say it was a necessary measure. Glad to be with the beard, though you'd like to through. you'd like you'd like to know wind again places his hand on your shoulder and looks you squarely in the eye. I've kept many things secret from those I've known these many years. He says in an apologetic tone, has told me she has made my past clear to you, and yet I beg your forgiveness that you'd not hear it straight from me, my dear friend. There are to be no more such secrets. You are certainly glad to see Window again, and quite happy he has come to no apparent harm. For the next more while, you relate to the others the events that brought you from your parting with Helene to the door of the bitter stag in Grimswick. Rundle listens carefully to your narrative, and then fills you in on the details of his own recent doings. Where I've been, what I've seen, and what I've learnt since last night. Since the light I last... Last party party company of you, has filled filled me with no end of terror. He says, we are embroiled in a dark, wicked enterprise and taken root in the shadows, grown unchecked unto the veil of night, which has only now begun to take on its true, insidious form. Yet it may already be too late. The four of you. Yourself, Wendell. Acre and Helene step out of the small room and into a larger, lamp-wit chamber where half a dozen chairs surround a circular table. Mundell sits and motions for the rest of you to follow suit. When everyone is seated, he proceeds to relate to you what he has presumably already told the others. You learn that when he abruptly left the headquarters of the Silver Crest on that fateful evening, he was fast on the track of Moraxa himself. The dragon was near on that night. He says, "The shadows spoke to me more clearly than they ever, ever have in the last hundred years." Though every whisper was a warning issued in desperation, and I realized I was in grave danger to those around me. Moraxa was closing in on me, and me alone. Wundle tells you the Moraxa. ...had at last emerged from the shadows in which he dwelt... ...to exact revenge on the three surviving members of the League of Five... ...and by the same breath... ...to protect a plot now drawing near to a time of its execution. I was the easiest to find, no doubt says Wendell... ...for though I kept my past a secret, I did not live in obscurity. Brax was out for more than revenge. While... My demise was a pressing mark for him. He had darker, more far reaching plans afoot. I soon learned that his powers of mind control have grown in their potency, for he nearly succeeded in gaining mastery over me when I at last came face to face with him on the outskirts of Trithwick. If he can. if he can nearly mind control window, what could he do to me? Grindle tells you that while making his way out of Trithic, he encountered Maraxa in human form, at a spot where the woe plunges into a deep forest that borders the wind with You learn, surprisingly enough, that at first the encounter was not one of violence, and indeed the dragon, shadow dragon seemed somewhat conciliatory in his manner. The shadows never cease screaming their warnings to me, says Wendell, and I soon found myself waging a battle to regain control of my thoughts, as the va- dragon's potent mind control vied for ownership of my very being. I've no doubt he wished to attempt to transfix me, and bring me into his fold as a powerful but subservient minion, before he, finally f- before he was finally forced to en- engage me last, able to escape, Windle tells you he fled with all possible haste to Tanninus, following up on an ages-old clue guided by the whispers of the shadows with the hope of somehow finding nearer in the kingdom's capital. His only line of hope, he says, that was that together with the master of shadow magic, defeat might be wrought upon the dragon and his schemes. Max did not pursue me further, but Prithin and Iskritar did. I spent several sleepless nights and lot and long, howling days, evading them of ov- over the open country between Trithic and Tanalus. Yes, Sir so Croquiton, they are fallen, their minds now firmly in control of Moraxa. He will he will do with them as he pleases. I very much doubt we will ever again know our dear friends as we have known them. Blimey, that's... That's sad. R- Windle tells you that while in Tanninus, the shadows led him to Hachir, who was already roaming the city in search of Nerith. He, too, had found himself the target of Araxa's minions, barely able to escape escape from them with life on more than one occasion. Horaxa led Windle to Grimswick by the cover of night, and here, in the cellar of the candle Grow in they along with the recently-arrived Helene, have eagerly awaited you. Okay, how did Helene move so fast? I mean, I was on a wagon a lot of the time. I guess, shadow magic. The portal that brought you here, down here was Hackeray's doing, says Windle, stirring your memory at the shadowy door through which you tumbled before waking in the in cellar. These rooms were long ago go sealed off and there is no conventional way in or out of them unless perhaps you're versed in gating or particularly handy with a pick and shovel this place affords us at least for now the rare luxury of secrecy you quest your window further about Pritham and Iskridar, interested to learn more about the likely fate of your fellow members of the silver quest Mundo High Severly like trock before them, and undoubtedly countless others, those minds never entertained even a hint of wickedness. They are under the black spell of the dragon, he says grimly. I can only tell you the Moraxus spell has held sway over Trelok, a man whose mind and resolve are most formidable for centuries without abating. For the foreseeable future, as much as it saddens me, put them in his guitar, must no longer be considered allies. They are, at this moment, without exaggeration, two of our most dangerous foes. Haquin tells you that he, like Windle, has led to Tal was led to Talonus in the search of Nerith, hoping that the master of shadow magic would provide counsel, or indeed reunite with his old counsels, comrades, in the face of Moraxa's re emergence, we were led here, inexplicably, to the bitter stag in Grimswick. And when, at last, we at last behold our mysteri- mysteriously prescribed destinations apart Pile of Ash, we feared the worst. The millions of Moraxa proved to be one step ahead of us again. Okay, okay. Okay, who has been guiding us here? Is it Moraxa? No. No, no, Muraxa wouldn't leave a, leave us into the warm place. We can't, he, he can't spy on us. No, no, it must it must be neareth. I mean, I mean it could just be the shadows' own agenda, but the shadows really don't bother themselves with such things. You ask Heckwin how he and Windle lurved at the bitter stack, and your pulse quickens. When he tells you of the sudden appearance of a young street urchin in Talonis, who seemed to know much about their affairs. Helene exchanges a knowing glance with you, and the two, two of you relate to Wundo and Hacquia, how you presumably met the same lad. No way to Talonis. Yes, we met the boy again. Our mysterious ally, as we came... "'as we have come to know him just outside the ruins of the House, says Windle. "'And that is how we ended up here, the cellar of the inn. "'I expected very much to again lay eyes upon my old friend Nirith. "'So I need not tell you my dismay when, after gating ourselves here, "'we found this cellar empty. Empty, that is, save for this. "'Windle produces a thin book and a worn leather cover.' An innate but tarnished brass clasp holds the book close. It was sitting on the table when we arrived, says Hakwin, waving his hand in the direction of the book. "Window properly hands it to, to you. We've been unable to open it. It's why your safety rivals imperative. All our efforts seem to lead up to this moment. I believe the cover alone may give you a start. You stare down in disbelief the book the window has placed in your hands stitched with silvery thread in the exact centre the wall leather cover is your name and not Sir Crokington my real name I had before I was transformed that you do not know and I do not know but Sir Crokington knows yes, that name a powerful disorientating sensation washes over you as you clap. As you grasp the leather book, with a shrill snap, the brass clap that held the book closed suddenly springs open, and lurid yellow light spills out of the tome, washing over you and filling the chamber with an eerie glow that quickly fades. In the wake of the glow, your disorientation lessens, and you surprise discover, the book is actually a cleverly disguised box, now lying open before you, resting in the bottom the shadow box is a large black gem attached to a leather strap. You are about to reach in and take hold of the strange but magnificent object when a small voice from the corner of the womb startles everyone at the table. I am here. Your head whips in the direction of the voice, and you are startled to see the young lad who predicted your future at the pleasant pheasant festival of Hapsburg. Haspren, who later drove the wagon that helped you and Hélène escape from the agents of Moaxa, the, ador- the shock looks adorning the faces of Window and Hackre, told that you were staring at the same street urchin they spoke of having met in Talonis, who pointed them to Grimswick, and who ultimately showed them to this very place. I am here," repeated the sandy-haired Lax, "though I dare say none of you, none of you, expected to find me." I dare say as none of you expected to find me I pray that you listen to me listen to what I must impart to you for my time grows short and for for the task that lies before you we shall most certainly leave my guidance yes I am here I who you know and who have known as near but I am not long for this world and a pity it is for a shadow falls upon it like no other ever has "'I only wish against the frailty of my ebbing health "'that I was strong enough to act with you. "'I am not, so upon your shoulders it must fall, "'and there it shall rest.'" The lad steps forward, and as he does, a rapid transformation comes over him. His form stretches into that of a tall, slender adult, and his sandy locks turn black and grey and lengthen to splash down over his broad shoulders his face, which only moments ago bore the bright-hued vivacity of youth. Youth is now creased and pale, and his tunic and breeches were replaced by a black robe, drawn about his waist by a plain piece of rope. Master! cries Helene, her voice betraying her relief, as she once again lays her eyes upon her cherished mentor. Window and Equet do not voice their settlements, for you feel they are no less moved by the transformation and the appearance of the magical figure. Magic prolongs, and shadow magic prolongs most of all, says Yeref. Yet there is an end to all things, and my end is at hand. You will be just to say I do not look forward to the coming west, for busy I have been these past many centuries, and deafening at times are the whispers that at every waking moment fill my head. Surely cannot pass says Gwendor credulously. There's something we can do there's something we can do if but name it Silence roars Nerith, his voice sounding more like a bellower of some enraged beast than that of a frail human mate who, by his own admission, rests on the doorstep of death. But apparently it's a very large doorstep. I am to pass out of this world, like all those before and all those after me. It is pure insolence to think otherwise. You will, li- you will listen and do as I say, for there is much you need to know, and there is less time than I would otherwise wish to impart it to you. Nerith extends his left hand, and a band of shadows slips away from the nearest table leg and forms into a tall, guile staff, upon which, which he leans heavily. For the first time, you notice his breathing is shallow and somewhat irregular. You also sense he has not exaggerated his dire condition. Do not think thy immediate passing and the return of Mwraxa are singular events, for one is very much connected with the other, he says. The dragon's mastery of of shadow magic easily wilds my own for for, for the sake of retaining hope. I resist granting him imagined superiority in it. My immediate passing is without a doubt, known to him, and he has seized the opportunity it presents to put into action his foul plans. I have not been idle these past centuries, and indeed I have checked him at every move. He eventually saw fit to waste his larger schemes on the chance I would no one day no longer threaten his dark enterprise. That day arrives and as we see the budding fruits of his infernal patience, near if pauses, and takes several deep, laboured breaths. My time is short. Allow me to be brief on this point. He continues. Meraxa seeks to rule all of that he views as his domain. His agents populate the courts of every monarch across the North Broadlands, and the time draws near when his, when his power when his power will be such that will act through them, using his mastery of mind control to form the very thoughts, the wishing of spoken words from the mouths of generals, knights, lords, thanes, queens and kings. I need not tell you the dark haze that I would commence following such a secretive and widespread usurpation. It would be no... No less than the unravelling of all that we have known. Blimey. Uh, I guess that is a disadvantage of having an absolute monarchy. Because you can control just a few people. You've got the kingdom. In other... In more representative systems, presumably someone could go, Hey... You're acting all mind-controlled-y. We're going to have a vote of no confidence or impeach you or whatever system they have in other countries for getting rid of their leaders when they suddenly turn evil. But in a monarchy, I mean, all you can do is stab them. And presumably, and because the lines of succession are fixed, probably also mind-controlled the next ones. But, eh, Mraxu is not yet prepared to strike, answering the questioner was likely in the mind of everyone in, in the room. He wishes to gather his pr- power more quickly now with the onset of my demise and in one fell swoop bring to fruition his wicked designs. His delay gives us a sliver of hope. ...for my 200-year search for the Eye of, of Angenor, ...only last month reached a successful conclusion. I'd hoped to pursue the artifact myself... ...but such a task is beyond me now. You learn that the Eye of Angenor Arn- ...is a large, enchanted emerald... ...which Nerith believes has the power to counteract... ...and dispel mind-affecting magic. The Eye, he tells you, appears in several ancient legends but has been lost for the last 2,000 years. In the depths of the Netherlands, I chanced upon a clue that took me 50 years to trace. My search led me to the edge of a fiery realm, and to the gates of a hall of a great king of fire. There, somewhere in these flaming passages, lies the Eye of Arnganor, and perhaps the last chance we have to send, the, send to woo in the plans of the shadow dragon. Yes, yes. Since all his schemes rely on mind control. Yes, something that spells mind control, would pretty much send him back to square one. And admittedly, he could probably rebuild eventually, but while he's doing that, we stab him. And we keep stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and stabbing stabbing until he finally is no longer able to melt into shadow and run away. Or something like that. Master, says Helene, her voice resolute, What hope have we if you're not with us? Without your power to wiveless own, you will have nothing left to fear and crush us at the first. Can we not... There... "'interrupts Neriff, pointing with his frail hand. "'It's the black gem on a leather strand "'on the, the bottom of the box on the table. "'Perhaps you do not recognise that stone,
1: "'for there are
0: only ever a handful of them. "'It is a stone of conveyance, "'the one thing that sets my mind at ease, "'even even as my departure becomes imminent. "'Sir Croakington, take hold of the stone.' Heeding the words of the ancient master of shadow magic, you reach into the box and close your hand around the large gem. Almost instantly, your mind is filled with countless unfathomable images that sail by in rapid succession. Your head head echoes with the warring hiss of a thousand whispers. You have acquired the power of shadow magic. Your current level of mastery is ten. Which is apprentice I've gained sixteen thousand three hundred and eighty four experience to shadow magic whoa that's a lot yes it has to be a lot because you're, you this you get shadow magic late into the game and you have to give it a huge boost to start out with so that it's not permanently dragging behind all the other powers. Not, it's not so much a bigger deal now, because XP is stored for powers you don't have. Yeah. For skills and powers you don't get. But when this was released, you'd learnt Shadow Magic, and had no experience with it. And were just about to take part in adventures where you want it to be level sixty part of my mastery of shadow magic is now bestowed upon you, sir Cro says Nerith. I hope you will find the shadows accommodating as I have these these many centuries. you will certainly come to know them as I fear you must Nerith explains that along with his knowledge of shadow magic, the stone of conveyance has imparted unto you a window into his own spirit, which he hopes to be able to aid you as best he can, even when he is no longer among the living. There is no other course that will suffice, he says, looking in turn at everyone present. The Eye of Angenor must be found, and its power must be used to dispel the magic of Muraxa that cast its shadow over so much. Without his mind, magic has at his disposal, even the mighty Moraxa, as powerful as he would remain, is, after all, only a dragon. Didn't we say that once, Windle? Yes, yes, we did, Spars Windle. They're all only dragons. Hacquille laughs nervously, and Helene's brow furrows as she smirks. The somber mood that has hung over the meeting is momentarily lifted and you sense that a great weight has been lifted off the very soul of the ancient Shadow Mage. For the magic I have summoned summoned and wielded, I have but one task left to undertake, says yearth. I shall again open a gate into that fiery Neville realm of which I spoke, there, into the halls of the great Fire King, you, "'Sir Crokington must venture alone. "'No no more than one may hope to pass through the portal I will craft "'with what remains of my depleted power. "'Nueth tells you that you are to locate and retrieve the Eye of Angenor "'and return as swiftly as you can. "'You will need to make haste upon your return,' he warns, he warns you all. "'Through the shadows, Maraxa will learn of your conquest.' and will know of your new found weapon. You move swiftly, with great force, to crush any preemptive strike. And you will still be here, Asaka? I will reserve what strength and potency I have left to reappear upon the return of Sir Crokington, replies Nerith. We shall then attempt to strike at the weakest link in the dragon's formidable chain of power. By the hand of the All-Father, may it prove to be the undoing of his wicked game. Nerith looks at each of you in turn, and bows before taking two steps back towards the corner of the chamber. He watch with great fascination as the frail, black-robed shadow mage rapidly transforms once again into the sandy-haired youth. Though spirit seems to bear none of the oppressive weight, that hangs heavily over the west of you. With a quick nod, the young lad slimmers brightly and vanishes. Well, that was certainly something, says Windle. Elaine nods. But where is this portal to the realm of fire, asked Hacker, throwing up his hands. It's all well and good that Master Neof has his plans. But it all seems a bit cryptic and uncertain to me. If I were to make any suggestion, it would be that. The loud crackle, intense heat and bright glow of a roaring fire suddenly fills the room. The four of you turn and stare in silence at the tall arch of flame blazing away against the south wall. Between the burning columns swirls an icy vortex. Well then, there we have it, says Hakra. And that... Finishes this scenario. And it's also noon. That's why my alarm's going off. There we have it, exactly. And that finishes the scenario with 256 experience to general. And we've we've passed 50 minutes, so... We'll get the actual eye in the next episode. But first thing to do... We're going to be having... We're going to have to use a lot of shadow magic in, in the, following, the following scenarios. Because that's why we've been taught it. Because it will come in great use. Yes, and curiously enough, even if, you, even if you happen to have one of the few characters in the game who can't even use magic, Your stats will be raised until they can. Alright. Using the stored experience, I just gained another 36,384 experience to Shadow Magic. And I think that's... That's all of them. That's every skill and power learned. Let me just check. Yep, no more no more skills or powers to learn. I've got all the skills all the powers. Even if some of the skills I never use. Time to train shadow magic. Gotta get to a safe location first. Alright, how far can I get it? Training up Shadow Magic. Just clicking a button. Don't have to do anything else. 30 40 50 and 60 uh, with, with uh, and okay I've got it up to level 67 shadow magic. Which makes it actually a higher level than many of my other skills and powers. Not as high as. not as high as Necromancy, which is level 71. But still, lots and lots of Shadow Magic is now at my command. Which will surely come in handy for the next scenarios, which we will continue with. The next scenario being. A warm welcome. That that is the next scenario. But that will wait until next time. And until then, farewell fellow adventurers. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things.